I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Heidi ho Ha ha ha. Hello, Monster Island Resort listeners, and welcome to another late episode of the Monster Island Resort, your online radio show that goes bump in the night. I am Miguel Rodriguez, your host in discussions of horror in history, literature, art, film, and beyond. As of today, I am hardly a week and a half away from the fourth annual Horrible Imaginings Film Festival, and I am feeling the insanity of the Halloween season. This month alone, I have hosted or co-hosted screenings of the French extreme film Inside, The Monster Squad, the new Irish horror film Dark Touch, as well as braved another amazing Son of Monster Palooza convention in Burbank, California, where I met the legendary Akira Takarada of uh, many, many Godzilla film fame and uh, had a great time. Again, huge thanks to Elliot and all the people who put on Monster Palooza, The Art of Monsters, my favorite convention. Anyway, all this madness has made it difficult to keep the Monster Island Resort updated as much as I'd like, but rest assured, more content is coming as the season comes to a close and the gates to the Monster Island Resort open up for more good times. So stay tuned later this week for the start of the Monster Island Resort American Horror Story edition, where I take a look at the third season of American Horror Story, Coven. For this episode, though, I've been asked by my friend Jaime Burkhart from NextProjection.com to participate in his annual Horror Fest online Halloween blogathon. This thing runs throughout the month of October, and people can read, or in my case, hear, about horror films both old and new. People, of course, can follow Jaime on Twitter. He is at sign that Jaime. And by the way, it is J-A-I-M-E. So that's at sign T-H-A-T-J-A-I-M-E. He has a lot of fun talking about films on Twitter. And read his blog, especially for the Horror Fest stuff, over at thatjaime.com. The Horror Fest stuff is, will all be found at thatjaime.com slash horrorfest. And now, I must say I feel lucky because I get to talk about the new film, Curse of Chucky. Who's it from? It doesn't say. We found him. Chucky's my friend till the end. Hey, wanna play? Can't we sleep in with you tonight? It's only a storm. Good night, baby. Sweet dreams. Don't forget Chucky. <laughs> it's a doll. What's the worst that can happen, huh? It's time to 
play. I love the Child's Play films and have always been a big fan of Chucky as a genuine 80s boogeyman horror movie star. I will get into why, but I do want to give a quick apology to both Jaime and the whole podverse out there for being a little bit late with this episode. I actually recorded it a lot earlier, but I had a computer crash and all was lost. So this is my second time making this recording. But it's okay because I think some of my thoughts are clearer now after having watched Curse of Chucky a second time. No, I do not plan on spoiling the film here. This will be a spoiler-free episode. That I promise. So no spoiler alert needed. I'm not going to talk about uh, any surprises or things that happen in the film. Just about uh, some other non-spoiler aspects of Curse of Chucky. So Curse of Chucky. We're talking here about the sixth film in the Child's Play franchise, number six. So right off the bat, I find it interesting that this series can be known either as the Child's Play franchise or as the Chucky franchise. The first three films were your fairly standardly titled Child's Play 1, Child's Play 2, and Child's Play 3. And of course, over time and popularity, uh, people generally called them the Chucky movies when talking about them during idle chit-chat. So did you see a new Chucky movie? Yeah, I saw a new Chucky movie, that kind of thing. And it wasn't until the fourth film came out by director Ronnie Yu in 1998, a full decade after Tom Holland's Child's Play, that the series drops Child's Play from the title for the new Of Chucky convention, starting with that film, which was called Bride of Chucky, as many of you know. Bride was followed by Seed of Chucky, and now we have Curse of Chucky. And with this sixth film, the Of Chucky variation of titles now equals the Child's Play titles. We have three Child's Play movies and three movies that are something of Chucky. What makes that even more interesting to me is that Curse of Chucky in many ways brings us tonally back to the straight horror tone of the Child's Play films without the -the over-the-top campiness of Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. So even though, according to the title, it seems like it would fit more with Bride of Chucky or Seed of Chucky, we're looking at more of a feel of the Child's Play horror movies. And in fact, Don Mancini says that he directed a horror movie this time because he does call Seed of Chucky, the film that he directed, a comedy. We'll talk more about Mancini a little bit later. But for now, let's... Uh, talk a little bit more about the tone of Curse of Chucky, because I think that's its most exciting and fun aspect when we get to this new Child's Play or Chucky film. What I personally enjoyed about the overall tone of Curse of Chucky, though, it wasn't that it returned to the darker horror of the original Child's Play films, but rather that it seems to bypass the originals altogether and deliver really a more classic horror atmosphere. In fact, every classic Halloween-friendly horror trope is there. You've got lingering camera shots on creepy details for atmosphere. Of course, you've got the old, absurdly sinister mansion, complete with a cluttered attic and dark corners and ominous decor. It's a dark and stormy night outside with regular flashes of lightning and thunder through the windows. You've got hints of madness going on in, in some of your main characters. And there's even a great shot where there's a flashlight shining under Chucky's chin, giving him that classic campfire ghost storytelling face that people give whenever they tell scary stories. So no, nothing in this film is original. 
But damn, if it isn't fun. Even the lighting is reminiscent of old universal horror favorites like The Black Cat or The Old Dark House. I think my favorite example of this is there's a scene where a a young girl, a character who's about an eight-year-old girl, she wants to sleep in her mother's bed because she's afraid but her mom is giving her the you're big girl now speech. You can stay in your own room, that kind of thing. Um, and that she's too big to be scared of a storm. And as she leaves the girl alone and she turns off the light to go to her own bed, the way the little girl's room is lit is insanely terrifying. It looks like a, uh, your classic haunted house theme park attraction where you've got shadows making regular objects look like monsters it's it's a really greatly lit uh albeit kind of silly scene but that's what i love about it 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 looks like a haunted house it looks like your classic haunted house it's not going for reality really it's going for hey it's halloween everything looks like halloween helping the classic horror feel of curse of chucky is the score, the music, from composer Joseph Loduca, who seems to be channeling the days when horror movies were known for their themes, uh, as much for their themes as for their monsters, really. I mean, who can forget the phantasm theme, or the psycho theme, the Halloween theme, the exorcist theme, all these great themes that became just as recognizable. And I think Loduca seems to be going for that with Curse of Chucky. There's a creepy haunting theme that plays in the scary parts, and the composer seems to want to have the same phenomenon for Curse of Chucky in many of those scenes, and sometimes he even seems to be channeling Goblin or Fabio Frizzi uh, with a creepy piano. These elements, the classic horror trope of the old dark house and the dark and stormy night, uh, that haunting score, the music, they blend to deliver a trope-soaked good time to people who enjoy a good haunted house thrill ride. It feels like you're in a haunted house at Hollywood or uh, all those old great haunted forest rides we used to go to in Pennsylvania when I lived back east. That's kind of what I was reminded of watching Curse of Chucky. What people really want to see in a Chucky movie, though, of course, is Chucky. The red-headed good guy doll has never looked more malicious than in this film. It is true that some of his scenes are CGI enhanced, and while in my opinion the film does suffer a little bit for that, Chucky is mostly his good old-fashioned self with more scowls and longer, more fashionable locks of hair. Most of the shots of the doll's face are far scarier, actually, when Chucky is pretending to be an innocuous kid's doll. It's sort of like when someone makes a clown look all demonic and creepy with big old teeth, but for whatever reason, it's never really quite as creepy as just a normal everyday kid's party clown. That tends to be a lot scarier than a big demonic clown it kind of goes the same for chucky i mean we we all love chucky laughing in his maniacal laugh and running with a butcher knife in his hand and in in the case of bride and seeds of chucky uh, all the stitches and cut up face and all that but nothing really quite matches that eerie look of just a regular old good guy doll especially the way they light it in this movie and the film makes a lot of the wide, crazy look in the Chucky doll's eyes and makes them to great effect, particularly, of course, when he's draped in stark shadows. And there's a lot of contrast in this film with deep shadows. It's a creepy doll. So how does Curse of Chucky relate to the other films in the series? 
Well, one of the nice things about the different turns the franchise has taken over the years is that a precise continuity is not really necessary. Like, we don't really have to care what happened in between films, especially in between Seed of Chucky and Curse of Chucky. The major elements are there, including some great references to the 1988 original film. In fact, the story seems more closely related or connected to that original first film than any of the others. But don't let that fool you into thinking that this is a reboot, because as more things are revealed in the film you will see that it is absolutely not a reboot. And that makes me very happy. This is really a continuation of the series. We're not looking at a remake. We're not looking at a reboot. And I think that's a breath of fresh air, to be honest. As I said before, the storyline and the plot are far from original. A typical dysfunctional family gets together, following the mysterious death of their mother figure, in order to discuss the future of the estate. One curious addition to their group is a red-headed good guy doll that was delivered as a package to the house immediately preceding the death of mom. Of course, a lot of the uh, the family members who are a, bit, a little bit older or in their maybe 30s or, or early 40s recognize the doll as being, hey, these were really popular dolls in the 80s. And there are a couple of fun references of 80s things in conjunction with the dolls like Smurfs and Cabbage Patch Kids and that kind of thing. And they talk about good guy dolls as something that existed in the past. That kind of lent a nice little feeling to the film. But there is a mystery as to how the package got there. They're not really sure how it got there. But when they open it, one of the other characters, as I mentioned before, is this eight-year-old girl who's dealing with the death of her grandmother. She's in this creepy house with all these people who don't necessarily get along. And, of course, they decide that the doll, hey, that's a perfect gift for the eight-year-old. Alice is her name, who's dealing with all of this. And anyway, so the rest of the movie is really just one night in a scary dark house where uh, one of the characters happens to be a murderous doll. It is blissfully simple after the completely manic, although still fun, Seed of Chucky, which is the last film. Yes, there are kills. And yes, they are bloody. In fact, they are downright stylish, with tons of use of reflections in blood and butcher knives and shining light and things like that. Everything looks really crisp and clean, which is kind of odd, but it lends a style to it that Mancini was intentionally going for. The gore is there, but again, it goes for a glossy flair rather than that dirty torture porn realism that has come from horror, uh, especially Hollywood horror, in the last decade or so. You get more style than than something that is more visceral. And it was all done on purpose, and it makes for a, a fun film. So yes, all of this sounds rather run-of-the-mill for a horror film. Your classic horror movie scene, uh, your classic scary house, dark and stormy night, there's a murderer, who's going to die, what's going to happen, that kind of thing. And it is. It's totally run-of-the-mill. There's no argument there. So what makes this one worth the hard drive it was recorded onto? And I think for me, and as for other fans, it is, of course, the comfort of a familiar character we have grown to love. Or, I guess in Chucky's Kate, we've grown to love to hate. After all, that is the secret to a franchise, isn't it? Arguably, yes. But I still think that the Chucky movies stand out a bit. Especially if we take a look at Chucky, next to his obvious contemporaries, such as Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, and Freddy Krueger. All of those other franchises have had times where they kind of went off the rails. And I don't really mean points where they turned into comedies or altered in tone, because the Chucky movies definitely did that with Bride of Chucky and Seed of T Chucky. 
I mean that all of them had points where the direction of the film's stories or the way the characters acted seemed random and senseless. You know, there were points where Freddy just wasn't our Freddy or, or Jason necessarily wasn't our Jason or let's say the Halloween movies, for instance. They never really went campy. But we did still have films like The Curse of Michael Myers to deal with where things got a little bit crazy. Freddy and Jason both died, both went to hell, both became nemeses in Freddy vs. Jason, which incidentally was directed by Ronnie Yu, who directed Bride of Chucky. Freddy even became a demon in the supposed real world in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. So things got a little bit crazy in all of those franchises. There was always a, a certain dissonance to those films that... I don't really detect in the Chucky movies if I watch them, even if the tone or what they're going for is different or the type of movie they're making is different. There's an underlying unity, at least with the doll himself. There's an underlying unity to the story and spirit that always feels right with Chucky, even when the films get as crazy as Heat of Chucky, which gets really crazy. And to this, I really give a lot of credit to Don Mancini again, that he directed this film. He directed Seed of Chucky, but he's really been the brainchild behind the Child's Player Chucky series as a whole. He's written every film. He directed the last two, and there seems to be no letting go of Chucky for the man. And I get a really sincere feeling that it is because he just loves the character too damn much. After all, Seed didn't do very well, and Curse of Chucky had a smaller budget than even the original Child's Play, even when taking inflation into account. Like, there was really no, no sound financial reason to make Curse of Chucky. It's not like they made a lot of money on Seed, so why make Curse of Chucky unless I really think that he loved Chucky? Even if it was going to be, I'm going to spend whatever little tiny pittance I have as a budget and put it direct to video, which he did... He still wanted another Chucky film. Yes, I might be naive, but I honestly think Don Mancini has the same adoration for Chucky that fans of the series do. And it's a love that I feel comes through loud and clear in the films. And flawed though they are, it is a love that I feel and I enjoy when I watch the movies. I don't think any of the other 80s monster movie boogeymen had a solid streak of that kind of love from the creators. There always seemed to be at least one or two of the movies where someone was just kind of cranking them out because they were making money. I also find it interesting that the Chucky movies are the only ones that haven't had some sort of terrible reboot of the series. The remakes of Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake of Friday the 13th, and the Halloween remakes are invariably unwatchable and made with no clear vision or sense of real fun. I know some people might argue about Rob Zombie's Halloween movies, or at least the first one, but I, I still think, no, they're terrible. They're terrible movies. I don't like any of them. And I don't feel any real affection for the characters on the part of the creators in any of those films, or sense of fun. So I am very happy that Don Mancini's Curse of Chucky does not suffer the same fate, and again, that it is just another Chucky film. It continues the story rather than some unsolicited and, frankly, painful retelling of the series. I couldn't finish this look at Curse of Chucky, or really any Chucky movie, without the single greatest reason these films are as watchable as they are, and that is the vicious charisma of Brad Dourif, Chucky himself. Dourif's mania and characterization of Chucky is so palpable that all the other actors in any of the movies 
always pale in comparison to their plastic counterpart when it has Duras voice emanating from it. <laughs> he doesn't disappoint this time around either. There are just some character actors whose enthusiasm comes through that they electrify with every second on the screen. You literally get thrilled and excited whenever Dorof starts talking. Other actors I could think of, like Boris Karloff, Vincent Price, Brad Dorof really has the same kind of presence, and he's only using his voice. I really find it astounding and underrated. It's not much of a spoiler to say that Brad Dourif shows up on screen as the serial killer Charles Lee Ray in human form for the first time since the original Child's Play back in the late 80s. It's that much better when you add his wild, crazy eyes with his skeevy, chucky voice and put them together. What a delight. To make things even more fun, our wheelchair-bound final girl protagonist, Nika, is played by none other than Brad Dourif's own real-life daughter, Fiona Dorif. And for me, it was great to see them paired up in Curse of Chucky with what is undoubtedly her daddy's signature role. If I had any final thoughts about Curse of Chucky, it is that it deserves to be seen on the big screen. Yes, it was made on, in Hollywood terms anyway, a micro-budget, but it is infinitely better and more watchable than any of the other offerings from Jason, Freddy, or Michael Myers in the last few years. I hope it does well for Mancini on Blu-ray and DVD, but I really wish I could enjoy it in a theater with other horror fans on a big screen with surround sound. And no, it doesn't offer much in terms of originality, complexity, or even much cleverness, frankly. But when it comes to the fun, classic Halloween experience of a haunted house ride, Curse of Chucky totally delivers with a beloved monster to boot. I recommend it to any Chucky fan. That's pretty much all I have to say about Curse of Chucky. I know this is going to be a rather short episode, but some episodes are longer than others. And uh, this is really just a fun film. I hope you all see it. And if you have any thoughts about Curse of Chucky, if you agree with me or disagree with me, feel free to drop me a line and uh, let me know on Twitter or an email or on Facebook or however, or on the comment section on the website at monsterislandresort.org. And uh, we'll continue the conversation about Curse of Chucky there. But I hope you all liked it. In any case, as I said before, I will be sharing some thoughts about American Horror Story. I'm going to go ahead and cover that whole season here on the Monster Island Resort. We'll call it the Monster Island Resort American Horror Story Editions. Those, I'm going to say right now, will be spoiler-ridden thoughts. So don't listen to them before seeing those episodes of American Horror Story Coven. I will give fair warning at the beginning of the episode, so fear not, you're not going to accidentally hear anything. All the other episodes that I do usually aren't reviewing movies or shows that are so new. If I do plan on spoiling any plot points, I will warn you at the beginning of the episode. But hopefully I, you got through this Curse of Chucky episode without feeling that anything was spoiled. Next week is Horrible Imaginings Film Festival. Seats are still available online if you go to hifilmfest.com. The Howling, Evil Dead Trap, The Manitou, The Killer Shrews, Five Days of Horror, including a panel about horror in classic opera, where I partner with the actual San Diego Opera. Can you name another horror film festival that has done something like that? Talk about elevating the genre. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what I feel like I'm succeeding in this year. And, of course, we're including a whole host. In fact, I think almost 64 
new independent horror films from 11 countries all over the world, including Greece, Iceland, Spain, Mexico, Canada, France, United Arab Emirates, Italy. We've got films from all over, including the U.S. You're not going to see these on the big screen anywhere else. Come to Horrible Imaginings Film Festival in San Diego at the Digital Gym Cinema, 2921 El Cajon Boulevard. It's going from October 24th through October 28th. And again, you can get full films and showtimes list at hifilmfest.com. Some tickets are still available online, so go check that out. Follow me on Facebook, including all of my film nights. We've got Horrible Imaginings Film Festival on Facebook. Of course, Monster Island Resort on Facebook. I do another film night, The Film Geeks at the Digital Gym on Facebook, and Shot by Shot on Facebook, where it takes place at the Whistle Stop Bar. I want to give a huge thanks to the legendary San Diego Pizzeria, Pizzeria Luigi's, for becoming the official Horrible Imagining sponsors and partners here in San Diego that just got finalized today. Thank you, Pizzeria Luigi's. You have the best pizza in town, as anybody who lives here knows. So go enjoy a slice and support our sponsors. I am Miguel Rodriguez here at the Monster Island Resort. Follow me on Twitter. Let's talk horror there. You can follow me at sign Monster Resort. And again, thanks to Jaime Burkhart for the Horror Fest at his website, thatjaime.com, and uh, for giving me the opportunity to talk about Chucky on Monster Island Resort. I've had a lot of fun just sitting here by myself blabbing about Chucky to hopefully a bunch of you who like Chucky out in the world. Follow Jaime on Twitter again at sign that Jaime. And until next time, the next Monster Island Resort episode, remember always to stay scared. Notorious slashers in history, and I don't want to give that up. I am Chucky, the killer dog, and I dig it! <laughs> <laughs>